For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? The NHL has completed its qualifying round and the Stanley Cup playoffs are underway with four matchups apiece at the Toronto Eastern Conference Hub and the Edmonton Western Conference Hub. The capital of Alberta will host both conference finals and the Stanley Cup final. Two weeks ago, we previewed NBC's telecast. This week, we'll talk about the qualifiers, look forward to the standard seven-game playoff series, and start by talking about sports and society. As managing editor of SB Nation's Raw Charge, Tanya Rizak focused on the Tampa Bay Lightning as well as other NHL and AHL clubs. She and her team added junior hockey, ECHL, statistics, and translations from Russian and Czech as she diversified the staff with Latino and Indian contributors, among others. She's also covered the NCAA Frozen Four, the NHL Draft, and the Invictus and Adaptive Games. She now serves as an associate editor at Raw Charge. Tanya Rizak, welcome, and how are you in your family doing? Doing well. I actually had a flashback to listening to you do the play-by-play for baseball at Rutgers just now. <laughs> Very <laughs> nostalgic. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's great to reconnect and to do it over sports, which I never would have anticipated, <laughs> but that's awesome. Yeah. When I went up to Boston for graduate school, I started watching um, Boston Bruins hockey up there. It was hard to avoid. So yeah. Uh, yeah started slowly sinking into hockey fandom and kind of stayed. Well, I mentioned your uh, Twitter profile and on your bio, you've posted a quote from Washington Nationals closer, Sean Doolittle, who said, sports are like a reward of a functional society. He continued, and we're trying to just bring it back, even though we've taken none of the steps to flatten the curve, whatever you want to say. What does that quote mean to you? And are we worthy of enjoying sports right now? I think that We are not actually enjoying sports right now. What we're doing is watching a very distilled portion of sports. I am very interested in the minor leagues, especially for hockey. And um, I don't even know what the baseball minor leagues are doing right now. But I know that for hockey, uh, we don't have any minor league hockey going on. The AHL is starting its regular season on December 4th. It had no playoffs this year. And the ECHL is following suit. So I feel like what we're watching is the best of the best during playoffs, but uh, the sport itself is suffering just simply because we don't get a lot of the richness that comes from watching the players rise through the ranks right now. 
Yeah, and that's a, a good point. MLB's minor leagues aren't playing either, and there's a big concern that they may not come back. Some of the teams MLB had already started to change that business model. So that's a, a great point and really concerning for the leagues below the majors. I have to say that I am enjoying watching the playoffs. I didn't think we'd get as far as a safe plan to have any kind of hockey um, until vaccines were invented. So the fact that we are starting playoffs right now, it makes me feel a little bit guiltily happy. You know, I have something to do that um, shapes my weeks so that every night I have something to watch and something to look forward to. But uh, it, it isn't quite hockey as it is meant to be. And I'm sure you feel the same way about baseball right now. Uh, just hearing about the players who refuse to report or um, who have chosen not to play. Yeah, no, that's right. And um, the latest reporting that if we can get through the regular season, um, MLB may move into bubbles, which um, they had uh, for the playoffs, which they had thought about going into the season following, you know, what hockey or actually leading what hockey and basketball have done. But that's a long way away. We still um, have a couple of months uh, to play in the regular season. So uh, roughly how many games is that? It's a 60 game season. I think they've played about uh, 15 to 20 of them. So they've still got a ways to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So do you see any impact of COVID directly on teams right now or is it mostly just in the future still? One of the teams, the Cardinals, haven't been able to play because of an outbreak. They've, I think, only played five games so far this season, so they've um, got a lot to catch up. So it'll be a lot of double headers, no days off. Uh, it's That'll directly times. impact play, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So right before the playoffs started, um, several players tested positive for COVID uh, in Tampa Bay Lightning. So we were a few weeks delayed on getting back onto the ice and practicing and mm -hmm. managed to do okay in the round robin. So they went two and one mm -hmm. in the round robin play. Uh, well, I guess how to contextualize round robin. I guess I don't need to because people who listen to you definitely like sports, but yeah. this year the format was very different in hockey. Uh, right. While certain teams were playing to even compete in the playoffs, the teams who already had playoff place we're doing a round robin for seeding. So yeah. we were seated second after the play, the round robin. So uh, you're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets and it's like you'll keep playing them for a while. <laughs> we are playing the Columbus Blue Jackets even as we speak. Right. It is heading, well, it was deep into 2OT when we started this call and uh, I've hidden that uh, window on my computer. So... <laughs> yeah, it looks like we're a minute and a half left in the double OT and uh, the flames are up on the stars three to two with three minutes <sighs> left in their second period. All right. Well, as okay. we yeah, await next steps and um, I appreciate your stay, sticking with us. Um, <laughs> and I'll try to give you updates as we go. Um, okay, thanks.
In your Voices of the Game column, you interview sports writers about their work. The debut Q&A was with the athletics Katie Strang. She covered the trial of former USA Gymnastics national team doctor Larry Nasser, who abused athletes in his care. You wrote, there are always people who say stick to sports, but stories like these make it so abundantly clear that sports and social issues are vitally intertwined. How do you approach that connection in your own writing and how do you mentor others? When I became a managing editor of Raw Charge, um, I mainly gave up writing and doubled down on the mentoring aspect of the job. We tackled a fair range of difficult topics, but when I was starting out as a hockey writer, the first year that I wrote about hockey uh, was immediately after the Blackhawks won their third Stanley Cup in recent memory uh, with their current team. And uh, one of their players, Patrick Kane, was accused of rape. So I hopped right in and there was immediately a topic that was important to me and to some of the people on the staff of the hockey blog that I was writing for. And we decided that what we do is uh, simply write about it from our perspective. And we did. And it was um, kind of a shock and not at all a shock to realize that the same treatment that women generally tend to get uh, in sports, uh, continues to social topics. So we got a range of uh, rape threats and murder threats and all kinds of things. Um, And the atmosphere of hostility in general toward our piece uh, was pretty intense, especially because Patrick Kane was very, and still is kind of very beloved in Chicago for uh, being such a great player for their team. So people had to bring that up and women and men both doubled down and uh, resisted and were hostile toward the peace. But I think that that year, uh, 2015 was kind of the year that hockey brought that topic to the forefront and it became a topic that was more widely discussed an important topic. And as uh, other players um, came out with allegations against them, like Evander Kane, for instance, and um, various other people in the hockey community had these kinds of allegations, uh, it became more of a topic that people could write about and think about and bring up. And I believe other sports too, over the past few years, have had this kind of outpouring of, of openness And then, of course, the Me Too movement hit two years ago, and it became something that you had to, absolutely had to report on. The fact that women are now more a part of sports reporting means that issues that pertain to women, especially in men's sports, have to be discussed. And it's, there's no difference anymore between talking about a sport and talking about the people who play the sport and the things that they do outside of the sport. Oh, that's a great point and a great segue into your another Voices of the Game column in which you featured uh, writer and Burn It All Down podcast host Shireen Ahmed, a Muslim Canadian woman who was covering Muslim uh, women's soccer players in the World Cup. As a Thai American woman, you asked her and I wanted to ask you, what got you started on your path to write in sports and what were the hurdles you overcame to get where you are? 
I think that what got me started writing in sports is the same thing that gets everybody started writing in sports, uh, a true love for the game or something that inspires you. Like you feel that spark, you watch people play and you realize that you've got to write your feelings down. And I think that this is something everyone can probably feel some sort of empathy toward. Um, I began watching Tampa Bay Lightning hockey and I had some time on my hands. I was between jobs one summer. <laughs> I'm sure people understand how that goes too. Um, yeah. And I was uh, just starting to think about hockey since we live near an NHL team, think about picking up hockey fandom again. When I realized that Steve Iserman was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning team, and I used to love watching him play. So I decided that uh, I'd give it a try. And of course, that year was the year in 2014 when they had a serious cup run. So yeah. I began to really want to write about the team. Problem is, the people at the SB Nation fan site um, put up barriers almost immediately. So I tried to write about them, but I mostly got a lot of condescension and a lot of resistance to my ideas or my perspective and not much mentoring at all. So I realized that my own town, Orlando, had the Orlando Solar Bears. It's an ECHL team. And they were at the time the third tier affiliates to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I knocked on the door of the Toronto Maple Leaf SB Nation site and asked if I could report on the solar bears for them. And they were kind enough and tolerant enough, open-minded enough, and maybe liberal enough to give me a try. So they got me credentials, and without ever having reported on sports before, I walked into the arena and started reporting on the Orlando solar bears. I was lucky enough to be taken under the wing of uh, an old reporter who's been there forever named Don Money, and uh, he mentored me through my first year covering the minors. And this is where my love for the minor leagues comes from, and also how I got my start. Picking up on that mentoring in your background, I mentioned your track record of diversifying the raw charge staff. Was it important to you to discover and promote people with diverse backgrounds, especially as you became a leader in sports journalism? I know that uh, something people tend to say about any kind of job is um, hire the best person for the job and don't worry about diversity. It, the problem is you don't know who the best person for the job might be because that person might not have even been discovered yet because they haven't had the opportunity to even watch a game of hockey or play it, you know? Mm -hmm. So my role was definitely to find people who were not the typical writers and to see if they would want to stretch in that direction. And it turned out that a lot of them were interested in writing and did want to put forth some effort. And it turned out to be amazing. Um, our current arena reporter, Matthew Estevez, is a Hispanic man from Tampa who had formerly been in the Navy and had never reported on sports before, but said that he would love to try his hand at arena reporting. And he did. And several years later, he's uh, a welcome member of the NHL press in that arena. 
we should mention your background is writing. Um, I, we mentioned mm-hmm. at the top Rutgers and you and I were English majors there together. And so uh, the fact that you were welcomed into the solar bear community and you took pride really in, in working with Greg Wyshynski is one of the biggest names in NHL uh, writing. He's a total character, that Greg Wyshynski. <laughs> we, uh, he came to Tampa for the All-Star Game and uh, Raw Charge put together a party for him and he attended and uh, was able to meet a lot of the Tampa Bay Lightning fans and he was very personable. When he worked at Yahoo Sports, he had the right. liberty to invite writers from around the different blogs to participate and I was able to participate in a few of his series uh, at ESPN, he so far hasn't been able to have that kind of freedom. And just a score check, we're end of uh, second overtime, still tied at two, and the Flames <sighs> are up three to two at the end of the second period in that one. Um, <laughs> but we'll move ahead um, into the third, a third of your Voices of the Game columns. Um, you highlighted Raw Charge and the Athletics' Chris Watkins. He discussed the socioeconomic and racial barriers to participation and how esports might be a way to welcome all into hockey. Watkins wrote about uh, lightning right-wing JT Brown's race fist and essay on NHL.com recently. Um, and so have Brown's actions and other demonstrations for racial and social justice changed the dynamic for the sport? And in your opinion and experience, how can hockey become more diverse? Hockey is one of the whitest sports uh, out there at present. It has a, a very high barrier to entry you have to have access to an ice rink and the expensive equipment that it takes to play hockey. And then you basically need several dedicated parents who are willing to drive you back and forth uh, for tournaments. And if you end up in some kind of league that requires travel, that's basically your life. So it's incredibly hard for people from different kinds of backgrounds than upper middle class white to even enter the sport. I think that people like JT Brown, um, when JT Brown was a right winger for the Tampa Bay Lightning several years ago, his protest was not taken kindly. Um, The fans of hockey are also, but luckily and happily uh, increasingly less so, pretty white and middle class as a demographic. And there was not much understanding of why JT Brown would engage in the same protests that uh, Colin Kaepernick did at the time. I think that uh, with Black Lives Matter being such an important issue in in our society at present, there is an increasing amount of understanding about the plight of black people in North America and how and what it would take to support them. There were even a few players that uh, knelt along with black players during anthems uh, for the NHL play in round. And that was unheard of and would have been absolutely abhorred several years ago. So things are getting better, a little bit better. Um, Please read Chris Watkins piece about it at Raw Charge. It should be above the fold still. But um, he wrote an update to his JT Brown piece and essentially said that although things are going pretty well, they definitely need to be better. And players of color shouldn't be the only ones who stand up to 
uh, the unfairness of uh, police treatment of certain parts of our population, and it should be everyone. So his piece was definitely a call to action. But luckily, hockey is becoming diverse in spite of itself. Uh, I believe you and I discussed earlier today an article about a, a show that NHL will be hosting that is about diversity in hockey. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ensign Carter and NBC Sports has launched Hockey Culture, a multi-platform content offering dedicated to bringing equality and inclusion to the sport of hockey. And in um, the mission statement, Anson Carter, who uh, we should note, an 11-year NHL veteran and now a studio analyst for NBC Sports, uh, he says in part in that mission statement, changing the culture of the sport is a daunting proposition, but I am ready to meet the challenge head on. As a player, the biggest moments always brought out the best in me. And I think that was because I never thought about what would happen if we lost. I only focused on how great things would be when we won. Today, as we launch hockey culture, I'm confident that there will be a time when our sport can truly say it is for everyone. And I'm thrilled about the content we have planned to help make this a reality and those will be on the um, YouTube channel, um, Hockey Culture's dedicated channel during the playoffs. Excellent. I know that he'll have a lot of guests. He has um, the Punjabi hockey play-by-play -play people in Canada and uh, there are people in South Florida who do the Spanish play-by-play -play, and um, I know that the Seattle Kraken are going to have some kind of broadcaster who is a black man and Across hockey reporting now, there are increasing numbers of women. So I'm rather happy to hear that there will be a show that highlights this. Um, yeah, Everett uh, Fitzhugh will have to watch for the Seattle Kraken, which is a whole other topic. The Kraken, that <laughs> launch was awesome. Um, I, I think as yeah. a Lightning fan, I imagine you were a bit jealous. Mm, I think that, <laughs> uh, no, I'm pretty happy. I mean, yeah. I'm wondering which one of the lightning players they'll manage to draft in the expansion draft. Um, yep. That makes yeah, sense. It's always interesting. It's every team eyes a new competitor with a bit of wariness. When the Vegas golden Knights had their expansion draft, they somehow managed to snag uh, Jonathan Marcheseau who played for Tampa for some time and mm -hmm. was incredible. Like we lost him in free agency. Uh, he signed with the Panthers for more money and more ice time. And he's been, he's taken off ever since. I really regret losing Marcheseau and he does so well for Vegas. <laughs> yeah. But whenever I see him, I get jealous. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm just wondering who we might lose this time around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we should just to put a period on it, JT Brown now with the Minnesota Wild. So yeah. Yep, he, uh, he plays for the AHL uh, Wild, the Mm -hmm. Iowa Wild at present. Uh, so getting into the hockey, um, following a four-month layoff, how did you see the competition during the qualifying round? So Elaine Vigneault, who used to be the coach of the Rangers before he was fired, uh, now coaches for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they look kind of unbeatable. They were the team that had playoff position. So in the round robin, they did best. They became first seed. It's kind of incredible seeing how teams can change given just a little bit of direction like that. Uh, Flyers had been floundering under former NCAA coaches for the past couple of years and having a tried and tested NHL coach on their team, I think just made them take off. 
So that was interesting to see. So they're playing uh, Montreal at present, and I think Philadelphia is going to take it basically in a walk. Did anything, but they're the yeah. they're the class of the yeah. of the playing round. We'll get into playoffs and how it's so unpredictable coming up, um, but that's a good tease. Was there anything in the game presentation that stood out to you, or anything that was lacking in this uh, clean site? I guess is the way the NBA calls it. Uh, so. <laughs> There's a really funny video that NHL put out yesterday. Uh, the camera panned up to the screens, and on the screens there there were the words um, "Thank you, fans." <laughs> and then it panned down to the bleachers, where there were these four large uh, floor fans sitting in the chairs. So actual <laughs> fans were whirring around. <laughs> so everyone had a good chuckle about it. But yeah, so uh, the stands are completely empty and they have to be very careful about the broadcast because you can hear the players on the ice very clearly mm-hmm. and whatever language they are choosing to use. So <laughs> it comes through the broadcast. Um, mm-hmm. So, however, I don't think it was difficult for players to get into it even without the fan noise. When Bruins played against Tampa, uh, there I don't even know how many penalty minutes um, we had brawls. <laughs> we had we had uh, all kinds of fighting. So yeah, mm-hmm. the players are fine without ha- seeing the fans watching them. So our fans were home watching, and I was wondering, as a fan, was a ten plus hour a day uh, of hockey at ten plus hours a day everything you'd hope for? Uh, so on my staff, there there are a few of the writers who follow the full schedule, and one of them said that he has to set his alarms to remind himself to take breaks and take walks and drink water and stuff. So <laughs> I myself work nine to five, so I have yeah. other work outside of editing um, to do. So I only catch the games that I can. It's so, been nice though for me just to have mm-hmm. even that much hockey. Uh, and we're uh, into the third overtime, eighteen forty-two to play. Uh, <sighs> So as a journalist, um, how are you and the SB Nation teams, how are they covering the sport during the pandemic? And are you concerned that the limits to access and place during COVID-19 will continue post-pandemic? I know that some writers were concerned about limits to locker room access and various things like that. Well, I have to say that women have always been limited from locker room access. In fact, when I reported uh, in the Tampa Bay Lightning Arena, they uh, restricted my access for a while until I could mm. prove myself um, in some kind of way. So, uh, so yeah, there have always been limits in place for women uh, attempting to uh, interview players after games. However, I think that it will go back to normal access. And if it doesn't, people can just use whatever access they're given and probably get the same kind of answers. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can make up quotes from players like off the top of my head after games, like, how did you get that goal? Well, I just uh, put my stick down and uh, I saw a gap and uh, went for it and then it ricocheted around a little bit, but so-and-so redirected it and it got in or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. probably make up your own, um, quotes from players. So it's not like, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like people have to, reporters have to suck it up given the time that we live in. And if it 
uh, evens out access for everyone, then I think that there won't be a problem. Well, we'll have to see uh, once we get into next year um, and when this season, I, I guess um, it's a good question. Do we have a sense of when the season, the 2021 20, uh, season will begin? There has been reporting on that. I don't have the date firmly in my mind right now, so mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. Yeah, I know NBA is in December, so I assume later this year. Yeah, so. it's probably in December uh, along with the AHL and ECHL. Yeah, that's right. With preseason games in late November. Mm-hmm. And so before we get there, we've had five game contests in the qualifying round, and now it's time to get cup crazy with three rounds <laughs> of seven game playoff series leading up to the best of seven 2020 Stanley Cup final. As a fan and a journalist, what do the Stanley Cup playoffs mean to you? And do you think the shift from spring to late summer and fall will change how you approach this special season in sports? I absolutely love playoffs, but I also hate playoffs. Like right now, I can't even eat dinner because the game is going on and uh, I just, it stresses me out that badly. So um, I remember uh, some of my best Stanley Cup memories and some of my worst are from 2015, the deep run that the Tampa Bay Lightning made. They were Mm -hmm. still playing uh, on the 4th of July. Um, Uh I remember they were playing on Mother's Day and then it just kept going and going. And uh, I enjoyed all of it. So summer hockey, where they had to contend with the ice temperature of the rink in Florida in, uh, in June, <laughs> that was really strange and fun, but it's part of all of it. Um, so I'm used to the summer element. However, uh, starting in December will be very interesting. Um, a hockey hashtag on Twitter is, is it October yet? And yeah. So this year, that's going to have no meaning whatsoever. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so based on the qualifying round and the round robin games, who has the most momentum heading into the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, Carolina uh, mm. probably has a ton of momentum right now, and they're playing against Boston, who seeded last in the round robin. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking Carolina probably takes Boston. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be very interesting, and I know several fan bases who will be overjoyed about that uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. upset. And, and then uh, Flyers for the East, and mm-hmm. um, probably Colorado for the West. And so with that in mind, which four teams do you think we'll see in Edmonton for the conference finals, and which two clubs will advance to the Stanley Cup final and claim Lord Stanley's <laughs> Cup? So I absolutely hate predicting mm-hmm. <laughs> the conference uh, finalists. Yeah. I'd like to say Tampa, but uh, they might yeah. lose this game like right now. And then uh, <laughs> I'll have no, <laughs> just like last year when they were out in four to Columbus, uh, we're once again playing Columbus. And I don't know if Tampa's going to overcome that hurdle, especially with Stamkos, uh, their captain, still injured and it looks like Victor Hedman is playing on a hurt foot. So, mm-hmm. um, and he's our main defender. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. see. I yeah. I would love to say uh, maybe the Flyers or Tampa in it. Uh, I don't know because of because of potential reseeding between rounds. I have no idea if it's going to be tra- traditional like conference versus conference, or what's go- or rather division di- versus division, or what's going to happen. Um, it's a little weird. So, but for the West, uh, Colorado or Vegas 
or potentially the Blackhawks if they pull off another upset. Well, it's all worth watching, and <laughs> that's what we'll be doing over the next Yeah. Uh, you know, Colorado might win the cup this year. It might be Colorado versus Flyers. Well, we'll definitely yep. have this on tape and we'll play that back. <laughs> in September, and I will eat my hat or whatever <laughs> it is I have to do, right? No, no. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, any additional columns like Voices of the Game in the future or any special Stanley Cup coverage we should be looking out for? Um, times are a little bit strange, so I'm not sure what's going to happen in this particular uh, gap between the end of the playoffs and the start of the regular season. We might do a series, and uh, I'm not entirely sure what the shape of it will be, but definitely we'll try for some diversity. Maybe we'll focus on uh, Hispanic players or something that's topical to where we live here in Florida. Um, But uh, coverage to tout, I would say follow at Black Girls Hockey on Twitter to see rising new voices in hockey coverage. Uh, Black women love hockey and write about it, and they are well worth following just to see how they approach the game. So um, also follow my site at Raw Charge uh, to see my editing. You'll see it shine through here and there. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's for uh, Tampa Bay Lightning coverage and also Syracuse Crunch and uh, Orlando Solar Bears. And follow SB Nation in general. Yeah, we're pretty good. We have a uh, woman managing editor right now, Steph Driver, and she's been editor for a few years. And uh, she has really made the site strong. We should give a tip of the hat to the pension plan puppets. That's the <laughs> That's organization right. that got you. I'm, uh, I'm giving them a, f- a few days. They, they, just, uh, they just suffered a rather crushing defeat to the Blue Jackets. So, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're currently in the middle of recrimination and trying to tear down their entire team and fire all the front office. So uh, we'll, we'll let them rest for a moment. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we here in New York are uh, excited. The Rangers got the first pick. So yeah, we'll that's right. Forward to that. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we go? That's it, but it was good reconnecting and uh, best of luck at uh, Believe. Oh, I appreciate it. And uh, 13-10 to play in the third overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for your time, Tanya Rizak, SB Nation's Raw Charge Associate Editor. Thank you for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, and Radio.com. Find us at Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast on social media. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.